go. Let's talk about stories, cards, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth Welcome to Myth Tarot Love, your show about ancient stories and witchy wisdom. I'm your host, Biddy Diana. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome to our special guest today, Miss Rose. Hi, Rose. Hi. I almost like wanted to interrupt there from it's like fine. what it used to be. I was like, mm-hmm. and new age wisdom. Oh, wait. You're like, hang on. <laughs> oh, this is the new, the new version now. Yeah. Hi, it's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for coming. We had to be the two of us for our 100th episode, right? Oh my gosh, amazing. I love that. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I feel so, just so honored to be like included and as we continue forward, because this was, this was such a fun thing that we did together for, you know, a few, a few years. It was a good time. Yeah, yeah, it it was a few years and it took a while, but I love that we were able to go through and the whole tarot deck and astrology and good a good 90 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is amazing. And you all just heard um, the lovely Rose play the theme song live, which I definitely miss um, when recording. Um, I still play it for myself and do like a little dance because <laughs> it's the best. I love your dances. <laughs> I love them. They they make my heart really happy. Yay. Your your music makes my heart really happy. Aww. Aww. <laughs> All right, guys, get ready for a um uh, a heartwarming episode where we basically <laughs> just flirt with each other for the next hour. <laughs> Across the camera, just making goo-goo eyes. Just like winks. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to start with just what's been bringing you some joy lately. Let's talk about what's been, yeah, making us happy. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Life is, life's going, life's going good. Um but I think in particular is like I've over the last four years, especially I've been learning a lot of skills in hypnosis and how to really kind of take control of my mood and take control of what I am in control of and and um, and also accepting the things I'm not in control of. And there's been a lot of really positive changes in just having this focus in life where I mean, I have two kids now <laughs> that that wasn't true before <laughs> and started a business um, it, like hypnosis. Uh, yeah. My full what? name, by the way, is Jillian Verworn and uh, my middle name is Rose. So I was using my middle name for the podcast for many years. <laughs> and then just saying, hey, by the way, I have other names. <laughs> Yay! Now we can call you Jill, Jill Rose, Rose Jill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I do like Rose still. It's uh, it's it still fits. I think very much with the whole New Age vibe within my heart. So mm-hmm. I'm still totally fine with being called Rose. <laughs> awesome. What 
brought you to hypnosis? That's a big shift from before. Yeah. Um, so that story is actually has multiple layers to it. Um, it kind of feels like there were a lot of things pushing me in that direction all at the same time. One of them was I had developed chronic pain to the point where I couldn't walk and I was using painkillers um, almost daily and it was like really having a lot of horrible health effects and you know I was going to the doctors and they're like oh yeah well I'd get switched around to different physiotherapists. Um, I ended up finding one physiotherapist who was really really good and he kind of got me into the idea that hypnosis might be something that helps in addition to what I was doing, uh, like what I was working with with him. Like he had a master's in pain management and the work he was doing was really like, it was better than everything else I had done. I had gone to like osteopaths, chiropractors, massage therapy, a variety of things. And, um, and like I would do work with him and it would get better for like a month. And then it'd relapse and it, there'd be like a flare up and it'd feel like I was back even worse than before. And so um, when he suggested using it, well, he didn't specifically say hypnosis, but this is where I was saying there's multiple la layers to this. There was at the same time, someone, I had kind of a serendipitous moment where I met someone who was going to study hypnosis um, at the University of Toronto. And I thought, huh, that's something maybe I would like to do as well. And so I went to do that. And, um, and for whatever reason, I kept like procrastinating and hesitating and feeling like there, there was just not like, this wasn't the path for me. Um, and so I, when I ended up looking into it, it was like, oh, there's just maybe not quite a good fit here. And I ended up finding the Master Hypnotist Society and everything about that just like resonated and was like, yes, this is the one. Um, and so I went and there was a lot of like practical hands-on learning. So I started learning that in January of 2020 um, and like learning from the clinic there in Burlington at like Burlington Hypnosis and uh, and then just taking a bunch of courses. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. <laughs> Yep. yep. Uh, but literally within two months of my hypnosis journey, I was completely pain-free. Wow. And then pregnant. <laughs> like, so, woo! <laughs> yeah. So there was, like, just kind of, I think, a lot of, like, forces pushing me in the direction of hypnosis and saying, hey, this is this is the way forward for you. And... You got when your heart says to do something, you got to honor your heart. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And since then. So, yeah. So since then, um, the pain, the pain thing was actually really huge convincer for me, because um, as you know, although I haven't I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I have a background in physics. Right. Uh, I have a degree in physics. I worked as an engineer and also as a teacher in the education in the Ontario education system. And the so like the scientific method, what is something that actually matters to me. And so when I started feeling like actual physical results and then also learning and and uh, reading more papers on it and learning about the actual history of hypnosis, 
I just kind of, I got pulled in deeper and deeper and deeper. And, um, and then I started applying it in a lot of different areas of my life. Like, um, obviously I used it with my births, like birthing two children, um, and they're beautiful, healthy. And it was just, it was really cool to make something that for so many people is a really terrifying, horrible experience. But for me, it was like a very beautiful and positive experience. And, um, I definitely don't think it would have been the same without hypnosis uh, or or being a new mom without hypnosis. Like the idea of using it to sleep better, to um, to rest more fully and like more deeply when you don't have a lot of time to do that, uh, to manage stress. And then uh, and then afterwards to also lose a bunch of weight like um to do it in a healthy way that feels really good for my body and like feels really positive and and I'm not going to say effortless because like you know I'm still working out and, and and eating healthy but it feels like I'm doing it in a in a place of love instead of a place of strain or or um or frustration and and then to open up a clinic um here in St. Catharines and to see other people doing it and then their results. And it's kind of like you're seeing evidence compounding one, like after, after another. And it just reinforces the idea that like, wow, our minds are actually really powerful things. Like our bodies are responding to our minds and our minds are responding to our bodies. And there's this beautiful play that takes place there. And I, I love using hypnosis as a tool for that, but I also see a lot of ways that we use hypnosis like every day. Um, and I think, you know, in a large part, a lot of what we do with tarot, for example, was um, like is in its own way a form of hypnosis. Like, there's definitely like when I look back to some of the some of the ways I used to interact with the cards and interacting with people, there's definitely this sense of like, almost a I'm going to say almost like a trance-like state where you're you're feeling really good you're feeling really calm and you're you're kind of just letting ideas flow through you instead of actually instead of forcing anything right Mm. like when you're getting a tarot reading or doing one or yeah like back in in the past when like there's there's definitely an element of like learning the cards and um the and the archetypes and the stories and the ways that um, the ways that the wisdom of the tarot can influence you. Like I mentioned before that tarot was something that my mom introduced to me when I was 13. Right. And that it's kind of like, it was kind of like passed down to me as part of our family. Right. Um, and so there was this element of like, how do you discover your own path? through the randomness of the way these these the archetypes of these cards are presented yeah that's amazing Mm -hmm. i wanted to go back because you mentioned your um the clinic but you've also done a live show that i was able to go to which was a lot of fun how did you enjoy doing that oh my gosh it was so much fun yeah Oh, I love 
I love sharing, um, I love sharing hypnosis with people, especially when a person has never been hypnotized before and they don't know what to expect and they start like feeling the physical effects like for, okay. So they say that like, you're either more emotionally suggestible or you're more physically suggestible or like I, but most people are a blend of the two, but it's kind of like, for me personally, I'm, I'm very emotionally suggestible. Like I'll watch a McDonald's commercial and I'll start crying. <laughs> but um, I thought you were going to say you'd start getting hungry because <laughs> I feel like at food commercials, that's. Uh... Yeah, I don't feel hunger for McDonald's anymore. No, okay. To, Just like... emotional. <laughs> yeah. Like now it's like, um, but it, but like the like the emotional family ties is like oh they're sitting and they're they had like a sports practice or something I don't know you know like they like the advertisements know how to know how to you know get to your heart which is which is in itself a form of hypnosis because you're responding to the emotional suggestion of of whatever's being presented or the music right and oh I'm a sucker for like music obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm a very emotionally suggestible person. So, however, um, like, you know, especially as someone who experienced chronic pain, the idea that I could use my mind or or that I could be in a certain state where my I would experience my body in a very different, very real way, uh, for me was a huge convincer, right? Like, uh, there, I don't know if you remember, there's like a part in the show where we do like temperature, like there's like a hot and cold, uh-huh. right? And that's one of the first times that a person who's never been hypnotized before might start actually experiencing some of the physical effects of hypnosis uh-huh. where they actually feel in their body like, oh my gosh, I'm actually sweating right now. I'm so hot. And they're feeling like so hot. Like one guy actually took off his shirt, if you remember. <laughs> right you take he's taking off his shirt they're like oh my god they're just like sweating and then um and then to switch it immediately to being super cold and they're like freezing and huddling up together uh yeah it's I I remember there was the one guy like afterwards who like he he came to see me the next day and he like like he was, he called me up and he's like, I just can't stop thinking about this show. Oh, wow. He'd never been hypnotized before. Right. And, you know, he was kind of thinking that he was just going to go and have fun and like make a fool of himself. I don't think he realized like how much he'd actually feel Mm -hmm. when he was on stage. Like, and how, like for him, I think the physical convincers were very powerful. Right. And he's like, this just completely blew my mind. And, and he's like really into sports and fitness. And so, uh, and like a lot of athletes are very interested in anything that'll give them an edge. Right. And so he was like, oh my gosh, I, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta get into using this, uh, this tools to, to give myself that edge. Cause he really wants to do a lot of marathons, especially. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, you're mentioning, and then I sidetracked us, <laughs> I apologize, the connection between tarot and hypnosis. I'm just wondering if um, while doing, you know, hypnosis more and that being your focus, has it changed your relationship to tarot in any way or just in general, you know, the time from when we were recording three years ago to now, how has that looked like for oh. you? 
Well, I, I I see the connections of hypnosis in a lot of what we do in general, like as humans. Um, like, I think a good secret for everyone to know is that all hypnosis is actually self-hypnosis. That means you're the one doing it, right? And the hypnotist is acting as more like a guide or a coach to allow you to get into a state that is useful for you to experience whatever it is that you need to be experiencing, right? I mean, in some ways, it's almost like you go to a hypnotist to get unhypnotized. So it's like with tarot, you're seeing kind of what you're already thinking. Not already thinking, but maybe you're getting in touch with yourself in a different way. Yeah, it's kind of like there's there's these prompts that are given to you. And I, I, you know, like from a spiritual perspective, I do feel like there is a connection with ways that we're getting messages and, um, you know, I, I do feel like if I were to look at it from a spiritual perspective, I do feel like there's there's always messages to be gained, like wherever you are in your life. And I mean, it might be a license plate in front of you or, you know, uh, like um, you turn on the radio and you get just like just the right set of words that it says exactly what you needed to hear in that moment. Right. There's kind of these serendipitous things that happen. Right. Um, so I do feel like there is something like that happening when you're using tarot as well. However, um, to get back to your question, I just want to make sure I'm understanding it correctly. Mm. <laughs> um, so like, are you asking if, are you asking if the tarot is just kind of um, telling us whatever we already know? No, or? no. I was more... Um, I guess I was more asking like just your relationship with it, if, if it has shifted or changed with just over time slash with doing more hypnosis. But I was just more thinking, yeah, that when, at least when I do tarot, I find it's more of like talking with myself or talking with like my higher self and being able to connect with that intuition. And I was just mm. wondering if there was like, I guess maybe a connection there between hypnosis in that way. That's cool. Yeah, I I would agree. Like if I'm doing tarot for myself, I, it does feel like I'm having a conversation as well with myself of, with things that I already know, um, which is why it was always so cool to do tarot with a person I'd never met before and um, and to kind of just just read the cards as is and 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 the person would, you know, enter once again into their own trance of of applying it and seeing how it applies to their life and, and, and gaining whatever wisdoms they need, they need to be gaining. Right. Uh, and I think there is an element like that that's present in hypnosis as well, because all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So it's up to the person to get what they need from a session. And me as the hypnotist, I am, I'm practiced in reading the person. I'm I'm practiced in in reading where they're at emotionally and helping to really guide them through each step of the process so that they can really get into a state that is useful for them and then and then I I will teach them ways like I'll I'll try to vaccinate against um possible methods that they might 
like possible sabotage they might encounter or that they might produce themselves, right? So I try to foresee ways that that might happen and guide them so that they can really protect themselves um, from that so that they can keep the useful state that they create within the session. But it's always up to them to maintain it and actually continue to practice what I teach them. Cool. Yeah. So how does it affect my relationship with tarot? I'd say that it's just enhanced it. It's kind of given me like another perspective of what was going on, right? Um, and when I'm reading for a person I've never met before, now that I now that I have the skills of people reading, and like I I don't actually read tarot for people as much anymore because um, the clinic's pretty busy and there's you know. Uh, there's not really time <laughs> to to uh, practice tarot as much as there there once was. Um, like I, I remember before, like this, like tarot was more something I did before the pandemic. Now it's more kind of like something to do at parties. <laughs> that's fair, and that's fine. I think for that... myself, like I still have yeah. the same deck I used when I was thirteen. You know. <laughs> I love that. And that's your, well, if that's the same one, then it must be your favorite one. Yeah, I just have this one and the Rider Waite Smith deck that I bought for our podcast that mm -hmm. um, I never got into the like multiple decks thing. I never uh, explored it that way. It was just kind of like, well, this was the one that was given to me and this is the one I'll use. But I really loved exploring it from the perspective of the Rider Waite Smith deck as well, just to see how, um, like, the ways that art can interpret, uh, like, the way that art will change meaning and the emotional connection that you'll have to each card and the way that it like presents in your life. So I think, I think there is something really cool about that as well. I love yeah. art. I love yes. art. <laughs> we have that in common. I also yeah. very much love art. And I think that's what draws me to different decks is the mm -hmm. artwork in them. And I can just stare at them. And it is almost like a meditation in itself, just like looking at all of the different elements and all of the choices that the artist made, either in, you know, it being similar to the um, Smith Rider Waite or Rider Waite Smith. I always say it wrong and opposite that's fine <laughs> or taking I like it more variety more variety the names are all there um yeah. or like taking their own like artistic liberties or their own like interpretations of the card and making yeah just making it their own um I really like that a lot yeah yeah and you know I think in a way that's that's what everyone does anyways right like um I find like it's kind of like how if you've ever looked at a painting and you see something new every time or depending on what mood you're in, the painting will feel differently to you. Um, or, you know, same with the music, right? It's like there's there's certain songs that you don't want to listen to when you're not in the mood for it. But then when you are in the mood for it, it hits just so good. And, uh, and you might hear things that you don't remember or you never heard before. And it's kind of like you just enter the right state 
um, or as a hypnotist, I'd now say like the right trance. It's like you you enter into the right trance to really connect with the art in a specific way that makes it have a specific meaning for you. Is there a specific card that's either your like favorite tarot card or the one that comes up that when you get it, it's almost like, I don't know, like a cheeky little like the tarot's like being like, huh, huh? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I used to get the star almost every reading, like every single reading. It was always like, this was actually before I found hypnosis. It was always like, oh, I got shivers just thinking about this. This good question, Betty. This is Thank a good you. question. <laughs> um, yeah. So before I found hypnosis, I used to get the star almost every time I did readings for myself. Um, I'd always get the star or uh, or if I asked the same question too many times, I'd always get the queen of pentacles. And <laughs> in my deck, she's like an older woman who... Um, is very rulesy, very like black and white, and and I always would hear in my voice like you know what to do, <laughs> like, <laughs> like in that voice for some reason, you know, like, um, and uh, now I get the sun, hmm. and the sun, like when like remember when we were talking about the progression of the major arcana and just the story of of going down into the deeps and the darkness and we 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 definitely compared it a lot to the hero's journey um and then when you come back and there's the promise of enlightenment at the end there's the promise of joy and the sun and to finally get the sun and it be like oh you're you're doing it. <laughs> like you're you you found the thing that was you know what you were looking for, um, and that's that's cool. But the journey is not over, and it's never it never is over. It's just how can you keep enhancing it and and enjoying it and and feeling gratitude and and staying humble in it and <laughs> and building on it that way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the cycle will start again, <laughs> even once you get to the end into the world. It's oh, yeah. a new start. Oh yeah, and I think um, I also still love the fool. I still love the fool um, in all of its in all of its glory. the 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 idea of just hey, go make mistakes, be a fool. Um, I think is something that we don't praise enough. We, I, there, there, I meet a lot of people who want to have all the answers before they embark on a new journey. They want to, they want to make sure they want to reduce the amount of failure as much as possible, but that's really not how it works. It's really not how it works. You have to, you have to learn by doing uh, a lot of the times there, there are times you can learn by modeling people who've done it before you, you can learn by, you can learn by studying and, and, uh, you know, trying to get all of the information, but really when it comes down to it, you have to take action and you can do all the studying you want and it's still not going to prepare you for the action you actually have to take. 
Yeah, and I think you never know if something is going to work out unless you take that leap. And I think with The Fool, it's not a guarantee that it is. Um, but you won't know unless you try. Yeah. And it's kind of like an embracing of the idea that it might not work out. And that's that's okay, too. Right? Um it's there's like a vulnerability in uh-huh. the fool that i th- i think is one of the things that makes it so beautiful but there's also there's also naivety right uh and i think that one of the most foolish things that we can do is to believe that we do have all the answers right yeah i'm trying to to think if there's a card that's like you have it all but i don't think yeah. there is which is a good thing kind of the world but not really even like when when you go into the world it's like there's there's definitely a sense of completion and I mean the sun has a sense of like enlightenment to it and mm-hmm. uh, like illumination. but even that illumination illumination joy and satisfaction and completion but and creation there's like creative energy there too but it's still it's still a work in progress. Yeah. I guess judgment kind of has a bit of that like things are complete but it's also still transitionary like mm-hmm. I think every single card that's one of the main themes that you're going to get is that there's transition in in all of them mm-hmm. or like if you think of like the 10 of wands for example it's kind of talking about stagnation. And like how you how you gotta get out of there. Like it's like, okay, you reached the top. Time to time to go do something else. Like Yeah, it's never complete. And I I think that's what I like about it is because our lives, well, eventually they are complete, but the story doesn't they? end. <laughs> or are they? <laughs> exactly. And I'm trying to think if I've said on here what my favorite ones are or not before, but um, definitely the queen of wands. Whenever I get her, I feel like it's like, she's got my back. I see her as the ultimate witchy card, cultivating magic. She's such a badass. I love Mm -hmm. her. (laughs) Yeah. 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 She's, she's my favorite. Um, What's funny today. I wouldn't say it's a, favorite one but it is one that um that when it comes up I feel like it's one of those like it's nudging me like you know what this is Mm, (laughs) but it's not the queen of pentacles for me it's judgment not judgment I'm so sorry justice justice okay Mm -hmm. and I almost warning card eh it is I see it as almost like injustice (laughs) Or like it just is like Mm. what you think might be just or unjust is just perception. What is right now? I love, I love the way you said that what you perceive to be justice is just perception or injustice is just perception. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, In neuro-linguistic programming, we, we have a, a term of phrase that says the map is not the territory, meaning when we're going through our lives, we create a map in our heads of how we believe 
things to be. And it's not necessarily the same as the territory. It's not necessarily what's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, when that one comes up for me, it's definitely a, okay, <laughs> what's going on right now? It's like a, a bigger picture. So it gives you perspective. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I often get the wheel. <laughs> and every time I get the wheel, it'll it'll be like a... It's basically like, like, maybe yes, maybe no. Let's see where it goes. Trust the process. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. To me, it's... I'm not a country uh, music person, but the song... <laughs> Jesus Take the Wheel Mm. like is it Carrie Underwood I don't know anyways that song always comes up in my head because I feel like it's that it's like just get your hands off the wheel like what's going to happen is going to happen you can try to like steer it in a certain direction that's not going to make you get there any faster if anything it might make it slower just like kind of hands off and it'll happen it'll come oh You're bringing up like another element that I really love about this podcast, and it is the element that I really miss a lot, where we would just talk about cards and how they mean different things to us, Mm -hmm. right? Like how we interpreted them in our lives and how it like, like that song definitely never popped into my head, but it it might now, (laughs) it might now. And it just adds like another layer of perception, another layer of um, another way to interact with with the messages that you're receiving. Mm-hmm. Were there any episodes that stuck out to you in your memory? Oh my goodness. Ah. <laughs> uh. You know, every time I think of a card, I do think a little bit about the episode that we did on that card or like the story that uh, you connected with it from from classics. <sighs> I sometimes think of like, um, I sometimes think of the tent. Was it was it the King of Pentacles that we associated with Midas Touch? Maybe. I think we did. And, and it was, and there was like an element of where it was kind of like, does that really connect the best with King, like with the King of Pentacles? Because the, the Midas touch is such a like cautionary tale about not wanting greed. Whereas like the King of Pentacles is sometimes saying like everything he touched turns is turns to gold, but they mean it in like a really positive way. Hmm. So there's always there. There's always like, so I'll sometimes like, if I get that card, I'll think about that episode and be like, ah, did we communicate that in the best way we could have? Or, you know, there's, there's definitely been times when I've looked back and been like, hey, let's just do it all over again. That was fun. Like we could do it all over again from a whole new perspective. And and (laughs) I'm looking at you and you're like, no, thank you. (laughs) No, it was a lot of fun. It was just also a lot of work, which is totally fine. That's not a bad thing. Um, I, yeah, I feel like if we were to do it again, I probably would connect a lot of different people to 
or different like stories to the tarot or have different interpretations of it. So like, it would be a really interesting thing to do. Yeah. Um, I was just looking back because I could not remember. I think that's a problem that I have. I don't remember <laughs> who I associated with what. So the King of Pentacles, I talked about Hermes. It was which, Hermes. Yeah, which I don't even remember oh, that makes what much I more sense. That makes much more sense. I'm glad we did that, not the, not Midas. Yeah, I remember we did do Midas. Oh, four of pentacles was Midas. Oh. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. Oh, we did do it right. Yay. Yeah, yeah four of pentacles, which is much more about like hoarding and greed. Yeah. And I'm looking back. So I thought that I did Arachne for the eight of pentacles, but apparently did it for the three, which I would switch those two now. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely do Arachne for um, who was the first um, spider. Well, yeah. it was a woman that Athena turned into a spider because she was so good at weaving. And so I, I would I would do that. Um, yeah. For sure. like I would switch that. There's, that's cool. Um, yeah, I think we could like go back and look at it and and rework or switch things around a little bit more and kind of enhance it that way. But I think there's also a lot of a lot to be gained for the ways that we did it. And you know, kind of like the fool says, it's like you gotta you gotta just do it and uh, and learn sometimes from from looking back, right? Yeah, and we um, definitely did. And we were talking about that before I hit record, how we did like, we would do no editing. It was just like, okay, let's sometime, most of the time, 98% of the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think I remember one time we tried to edit it and we like spent several hours trying to figure out how to edit it. And then we ended up releasing it raw anyways. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember that. Um, yeah. Oh, remember I figured that, it out like, now. <laughs> I remember we connected like all of the people cards to the Myers Briggs personalities, mm -hmm. and I know a lot of our listeners really like that. Yeah, that was that was really cool. That that just kind of happened spontaneously. Um, that wasn't planned. And it was like it was like it happened on the first people card, and I was like, "Oh mm -hmm. man, this person is just like the." I think it was INFP because it was the Page of Cups, right? Uh, I think so. And then, and then it was like, "Oh my God, they're all Myers Briggs people!" And like, <laughs> that was that was a really cool uh, like inspiration that yeah. moment that happened that. I'm really glad happened. And I think if we were to do it again, I'd still want to do that. Still want to connect that. Yeah, I think for me, my big aha moment, mind blown moment was when I realized that all of our astrological signs are connected to Greek myth. <laughs> because I didn't know that before we embarked on that series. Yeah, that was that was really funny actually when you I remember when you made that connection you're like, "Oh my god, they're all Greek myths. This is literally classics." Like yeah. Yeah, it um that like astrology was something I got into I think I was like 11 or 12 when I got like really into it. Um and it was probably the first like people system 
that gave me kind of a language to understand what was happening around me. Uh, and there's just so much power in having a language to describe stuff, right? Because I kept trying to make connections. I didn't understand what was going on. And here is this like super rich system of like, you know, 12 different sides. It starts off really simple, but it gets deep. It gets it gets crazier and crazier. And as you start learning more about like charts and all the different planets and how they affect you and blah, 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 right? Um, and there, you know, later when I studied physics, there was a part of me that kind of released all of the possibility of it being real just as a way of existing um, and and kind of like walking that line between uh, something that's really helped me uh, and also wanting to really embrace hard sciences um, and and em embrace the scientific method from that perspective, right? So kind of holding both of those into my in, in my head, right? Um, but I've always loved the language that astrology provides, right? And I think, uh, and then later when I like when I was learning tarot, uh, it was also like just it was kind of like astrology was giving you was was giving the language of people and how to understand different layers of people. Like you've got the moon for emotions, the like Mars for for rage and action and energy. You have Venus for love, and you have all of these like planets and and layers of of what makes a person and how they interact with life and then you've got tarot which gives you a, a language to understand phases of life and different kinds of situations you might enter you might come across right um and i think for a lot of people they get that in uh religious texts as well right you get a lot of stories you get a lot of parables and um and so in some ways when i was growing up like I also grew up with the Bible and um, and Buddhist stories. Like my uncle taught Buddhist philosophy at, like he was a professor at Seneca, and uh, uh, so I grew up with a lot of those stories. And uh, but then I also went to church and and Bible school and all that. And so like there was a lot of these parables that I grew up with. But once again, getting kind of these extra layers helped just get a language um and then the fact that the tarot is random gives it flexibility mm -hmm. i think that makes a lot of sense that connection between like astrology helping to understand people and knowing how much you also really like the is it myers-briggs personality that also helps yeah understand people in a, yeah. in a and enneagram, and enneagram. And, mm -hmm. yeah and and now and now with hypnosis i have uh some extra tools as well like i've learned about um virginia satir's uh, coping stances uh which are actually very physical in the body and relate to uh people's fear responses um and then i've you know i've learned about uh different things that like just different levels of archetypes um so there's kind of there's just a lot of different systems out there and a lot of different ways that people have observed human behavior and observed how humans interact 
And there's so much to learn from having those kind of like words in your head, having that language, it gives you that perspective. Like kind of like you said with justice, right? Where you might be in a situation and you might be reacting to it emotionally in a very um, almost pre-programmed way, right? It's kind of like uh, if, for example, let's say you're coming across a person who just knows how to push your buttons. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever, surely, Biddy, you've never come across that. <laughs> really, Charlie, no one's ever pushed your buttons in just the right way. <laughs> never. I definitely don't have the nickname Thunder Biddy because people haven't pushed my buttons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's like, You'll you'll get a certain situation um, that's just that just knows how to push your buttons in particular, um, and you might be very tempted to just react in that situation in usually in, in a way that's actually pretty standard to how you react in those situations over time, right? And it becomes a pattern. Well, for me, knowing how people behave in general and having these layers of archetypes and uh, and, and understand, or like in neuro-linguistic programming, uh, we might call these metaprograms, right? So this is literally like different kinds of archetypes that people fit into that dictate how they behave, right? So knowing that you have a certain pattern that's been pre-programmed, it gives you the power to be like, oh, I see what's happening here. And then you have the power to behave differently or respond in a different way, in a new way. And of course, it helps when you 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 get your unconscious mind on on the path too. <laughs> that because I mean, like, the more something's repeated, the more powerful it becomes. So if you have had a pattern that's been repeated over and over and over again that is leading to behavior that you'd rather change, well, one of the, like, if you're able to break that pattern and actually interrupt it, like, ideally in a very physical way, like, if you could just, like, stand up and go, do, 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 and, like, <laughs> you know, do little jazz hands or something, like, it will literally change your physiology, in that moment. And suddenly your brain's like, oh, she's doing something very different than what she used to do. And that's where learning starts to happen. If you could build a tarot deck mm. or like a particular card, what do you think it would look like? Would there be a theme? Yeah, that's a great... I would love I would love to incorporate some of Dr. Virginia Satir's teachings. I think I think the like I read her book The New People Making and I have seen some of her lectures that were on YouTube and I just think she's I don't think she's known enough. Um, the way she worked with people, the way she was able to connect and just like feel such deep love for human and create and use use that to create change like she actually invented family therapy um she invented it no one was doing it before her right like it's just like because she saw like the way that families interact and she saw the ways that people 
are hiding themselves and um, and the ways that they're sabotaging themselves from being able to behave in the ways they want to be behaving. And so she termed a coin, like she, she, she coined a term called leveling. Right. And, Oh, I would love to do like a deck just on how to do that. Um, Since I learned about it four years ago, it's almost been like that just doing that in life has become its own journey for me. Um, I'd have to explain it in full. How, how much time we got? How much time we got? Well. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can, I mean, or well, yeah. that's up well, to you. I'll, I'll do, I'll do like a, I'll do a very summarized version. Right. So basically like point to the wall and say, it's all your fault. Oh, I think I remember this. Yes. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, before. yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it helps if you're doing it with me. <laughs> I'm not such a... <laughs> Our right. listeners can't see it. It's fine. Oh, they can't. They can't. Okay, yeah. So you point to the wall <laughs> and you say, it's all your fault. And then, and then you take your hands and you put them in front of you and say, whatever you want, I'm here for you. And then you might cross your arms and... Maybe even put a hand on your chin and you say, hmm, if we were to analyze the situation, we would find. And then you throw your arms in the air and you stick out your tongue and go, blah. And if you've done all four of those things, first of all, I have to commend you on um, on having just an amazing go with it attitude because that's awesome, especially if you're listening to this like by yourself or better in public. If you're doing this in public and you just like yell at someone, it's all your fault. That would be really funny (laughs) would that be a card then it's all your fault yeah yeah so i would call that the blamer Mm. right so you could have one card that's like the blamer card um and so let's say these four people are on a boat and the boat is sinking the blamer is going to say who put this hole in the boat right and we see this all the time like on news we have people who are just like something bad happens and then they just go like who's to blame who's to blame blah 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 and it's like bouncing around shifting blame and some people literally go through their whole lives just trying not to be a bad guy it's like they're just constantly trying to avoid blame in some way or other and then the second one is uh what virginia called the placator like whatever you want i'm here for you I call this the people pleaser, right? So this person's on the boat and they're like, well, I'm going to jump off the boat and sacrifice myself and maybe I can pull you to shore or I'll drown trying, right? So this person is uh, sacrificing themselves. They become a martyr. Uh, They often will develop a sense of resentment because they're not living for themselves. They're not, they often don't feel love for themselves. And so they're kind of, they're, they're pushing all of the energy that they, they could have towards building their power, towards building their strength, and they're pushing it in all these directions that are not useful. And they will literally make any, any problem that's outside of themselves bigger than the problem than, that actually needs to be addressed um, while thinking that they're doing this to be a good person. It's, it's really quite a difficult trap to get out of um and i and maybe it's because i'm such a placator myself but i uh i i see a lot of people (laughs) who are trapped in this um and 
and don't know how to get out because it, they literally think that they have to they have to sacrifice themselves in order to be a good person. And hmm. I wonder yeah. if with these like four archetypes that could be like the four different suits, if they could be. You could, you could connect them to the four suits, but I think the suits have wisdom within them where these are literally just fear responses, right? Mm. Like the blamer is a fight response. The placator is a fawn response. And then like, if I go to this, this, the other two, you have computer, the analyzer person, this person's just like caught in a loop. Like they're, they're on the boat and they're reading a boat. They're, they're reading about how to sail. Like they're not even sailing the boat. They're just letting the boat just, you know, whatever. Or they're saying, ah, oh, yes, this boat seems to be sinking at a rate of a meter per hour. So we'll be sunk at 5 PM. You know, like they're just like analyzing it and that's a freeze response. Right. Uh, and then you've got the distractor who's just throwing their arms in the air, sticking out their tongue. And this person's on the boat and they say, hey, look, a bird. Right. Like they're not even seeing the problem at all. So, yeah, you could connect these to the four suits, but really these are fear responses. Right. Like the, the fr you've got the computer who's the freeze response and the distractor, which is a flight response. And really you don't want to be responding in fear at all in your life. Like unless you're being chased by a tiger, you don't want to be responding in fear for the majority of your life. You want to, you, you want to be leveling. And that's where you have this sense of like peace, calm, clarity. And you're just looking at the situation as it is. You're feeling the emotions as they are. You're not getting caught up in your emotions. You're not like analyzing your emotions, which is something I used to do a lot and will still do sometimes because I'm a human being and nobody's perfect. Um, yeah. So you'll, you'll, you're, you're feeling the emotions and then you're making a clear decision about what it is that you actually want and what is actually most useful. Like you're seeing the big picture, you're seeing where things are going and, and making that decision that's leveling. Once you make a decision, like if you're on the boat, your decision might be, I want to live. And then all of your actions just follow with that. And it's pretty different from being in a fear response, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think how to make this into a deck. Maybe it'll how be an oracle. <laughs> well, like, I think there's a lot of ways that the tarot is trying to get you to level about your situation. I think, uh, I think each card in itself gets a person to level. And I've definitely, I remember like there's definitely been really powerful readings I've done with a person where uh, like we'd go through the reading and suddenly it's like they get a card and it's like just showing them what or giving them whatever insight they need to have to really see their situation as it is. And I think for you, that's, that's the justice card, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, when I get the justice card, it's it, it it's letting me know that I'm getting caught in my head somewhere. Yeah. And just to see kind of instead of, yeah, being in my head, just being present in what is present. Yeah. So it might be it might be useful to have like if I were to create a deck of a Virginia Satir inspired deck. It might have something to do with like making suits associated with the four coping stances and then uh, and then like a major arcana about leveling. Cool. That's probably what that's probably what I would want to do 
if I were to if I were to pursue that. And maybe someone else is going to do that now that that idea is out there. <laughs> I can edit it out <laughs> if you want you this idea all for yourself. It's fine. And power to variety and like I. I'm I'm not one to want to like gatekeep ideas or or like if something is if something needs to get out there and it's going to help somebody faster the better like do it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to even pretend that my ideas are my own. Like I don't know where they're they're all coming from. Like this is a mix. A lot of what I have is just a mixture of a lot of stuff I've read um, or people I've talked to or experiences I've had, and I don't know where it's all coming from, but. I don't want to pretend it's mine. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about you, Betty? What's been top of mind for you? Oh, my goodness. Too much. No. <laughs> I've been too in my head, having been very sick um, mm. recently and lately. So top of mind has definitely been my health. Um both with getting sick and then with getting so many flare-ups and everything with my endometriosis. So that has definitely been in the forefront. Um, Something that's bringing me a lot of joy, though, is a new kitty that we have gotten um, in the past few weeks. And so he's also been top of mind because he's been around me so much and just giving so much love. All I wanted was a cuddly kitty, and now I finally have one. Not that Sphinx wasn't cuddly. She is, just not with me. <laughs> she gives all of her cuddles to uh, to your husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, he's been giving me a lot of a lot of love, which has been nice. Um, yeah, and today specifically, I've been thinking a lot of like seasonality. I feel like a lot of this year, I was very much in tune with the seasons and kind of just more aware of like what was going on almost like in nature and in myself. And then I feel like once I came back to Canada in August, it was just a very busy time and I kind of, it slipped away. And so just thinking I want to kind of come back to that, especially, I mean, we still have a month left in fall. So I want to, I think just dedicate more, time and my mind to (laughs) death and decay and composting and all of the things that fall can bring cool so um so the way that you get in tune with seasons is to kind of think of the theme of the season and and focus on that or what do you kind of so for example like for the springtime for i don't whatever reason just the fairy energy was like very present to me and for me and yeah. i've always been connected to fairies and and i'm sure you know that but also i've talked about that on the podcast before and so yeah i you just love the symbol of fairies mm-hmm. and all of that yeah so just connecting with that and then in the summer it just felt more of a shift towards the water and nymphs and and for me that made sense because I was near the water for so much of the summer as well and so I think that's kind of where yeah those connections lied 
Okay. So it's kind of like each season brings a, a feeling of connection to something mm-hmm. that's beyond yourself. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Is there anything that you'd recommend for listeners that would also want to that would also want to connect with seasons the way you do? That's a good question. It was something that I, before we popped on, I was thinking about like, ooh, for next year, maybe that's something that I want to explore more here on the podcast and thinking about themes that come up um, either in nature or just in life in those seasons, if that makes sense. So I feel like I don't have an answer <laughs> to that right now. Yeah. Um, but that is something that I want to think about more and and bring forward um, to to our listeners. Well, I do love that there's so much flexibility in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you once gave me a book. I forget what it was, what the name of it is, but it it, it had kind of an idea of that theme. It was like a a how to guide about like connecting with elements or just kind mm. of you know, this idea of like going through your life in a way that you, you know, is, is almost, there's almost like a mystical quality to it where you're, um, you're kind of looking at life through the lens of how does it translate to a certain element or how does it translate to a certain theme? Um, and there's something so healing about doing it about doing that because it's kind of like you're you're looking at things from a way that is so different than how you're used to looking at it right so and then in some ways you know going back to the the whole like if you're getting stuck in a pattern if you're getting stuck in a loop this is a great way to break yourself out of that pattern gain some some more insights some more wisdom because you're like it's almost like you're looking at it from the perspective of something that is ancient and otherworldly. Hmm. That's interesting because <laughs> I almost think I was thinking the opposite almost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that it would get me in tune outside of myself, like yeah. with nature and with, um, oh, now I lost my words. It's fine they're gone I remember um there I once read there was this like uh perspective and it was like imagine that you are oh it was like a it was like I had read this list and it was like a list of all these different ways of making decisions um to like make decision making easier and one of the methods was to say like imagine that you are actually just like uh, imagine that your body is just like an avatar and you're actually like, um, you know, a little, a little person living inside of your brain and just like, you know, navigating little levers and whatever. And it's like, what would this person, uh, like what, what decisions would this person be making for you, for your body, for your life? (laughs) If they were just kind of, if someone was like playing the video game of your life or whatever, (laughs) 
like what what that would be scary i feel like because they wouldn't care if something bad happened yeah well they'd probably take uh take more risks than i normally do Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i'm Oh, granted, you know, I've, I've been getting better at taking, um, at at taking more calculated risks where it's like, you know, starting a business isn't exactly a, uh, security minded thing to do, (laughs) uh, especially when you're going from like a government job to opening up a business. There was definitely a lot of fear to overcome and, and just realizing you know what, you've only got one life to live and this really matters to you. And it really, and it's really like just kind of seeing how important it is to present it in a way that's useful to people. Like, um, you know, I, I, I had chronic pain for years and part of the reason why is because it never even occurred to me that hypnosis was an option. Right. So I, just wanted to get that out there that there there are methods there are ways of using your mind that are actually really quite real um so that that made it worthwhile to me to take that risk that's great that's awesome i'm glad that you were able to do that and that was able to be so helpful for you and for your pain that's really good (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Do you, before we um, say goodnight, do you have any questions for me or anything that you wanted to touch on that we haven't yet? Well, I do feel like we've gone through a variety of subjects um, in our conversation so far. Um, Definitely talked about like the work we did together and uh, some of the memories that stand out and how it's like continuing to affect the way that we address tarot and and classics and uh, and also just the lens of how we how we use these ideas to live our lives right Mm -hmm. Um, I mean in in a way that's that's been a really useful conversation for me to have already just looking at it from that lens is like, Oh yeah. I mean, sometimes you, you'll have these ideas that just float in your head and it's like, until there's a person to have a conversation with about them, they don't really take form. So I think that's something that I'm going to play with a lot in my head from now on is this idea of like, Oh yeah. Um, what lens am I am I going to use for the for this today? Which story am I going to look through? Like, uh, perhaps I'll I'll take one of the classic stories, or perhaps even like the practice that uh, you do on your TikTok, for example, where you'll have a, a card and you'll pull the card and use that as the lens for the day, and just like, oh yeah, here's here's an insight that you can provide to. Uh, help break you out of whatever pattern that you might have been experiencing. That's that's an idea. I think that's that's worth keeping. I think so too. Yeah. 
Where can people find you, follow you if they want to get in touch either for hypnosis or for anything? Um, where can they do that? Okay, yeah. Um, I have a website, www.niagara.clinic. So Niagara is N-I-A-G-A-R-A dot clinic, C-L-I-N-I-C. And on that website, uh, you can, there's a, there's a book free screening, um, which is, uh, I, before taking on a client, I always have to meet them either in person or over Zoom just to see if it's a good fit uh, and if I can take them as a client and, uh, and also just understand a little bit more about what kind of goals they have and, and how hypnosis, if, if, you know, if it's going to be a, a good, you know, fit for both of us, right? And, and what kind of hypnosis program they might need. But if they also just want to get in touch with me, that's also a great way of getting in touch with me because um, it gives me a way to communicate with you. If you want to do it by phone or email, whatever. Amazing. Thank you. Um, And thank you again so, so much for joining us on our 100th episode. 100! We did it! it. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. I'm so happy that you're keeping this podcast alive. You're doing such wonderful work. And I love listening in on Fridays. It brings me so much joy. Yay. <laughs> I it's bringing me joy too. A lot of joy. So, I'm I'm happy to to keep the the ship going. <laughs> Would you yeah. like to sing us out with the theme song one more time? If not, that's fine. Sure. Got little little Gertie right here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Myth and tarot. talk about stories, cards, and symbols, and all of the above.